Greetings and welcome to Prepare to Fast Forward, our chance to leave the past behind us and concentrate on current pop culture. My name is Jason. And I'm Rich. I'm Chris. And before we get into all that we have been consuming recently, we would like to welcome to the podcast mine and Rich's former Dreamcast Years co-host, Steve. Hello, hello. Hello, hello Steve. Thank hello. you so Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks very much for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, hope, well, I'm not saying hopefully because, we, you know, we've been having discussions and everything in the back, you know, sorting out contracts, you know, by the way, that's in the post. Um, Thank you. Contracts. Yeah, absolutely. Does <laughs> um, <laughs> include the kitchen sink, yeah? Yeah. And uh, we, <laughs> we, finally come, we finally come to an agreement for, for you to become a permanent member of the Wolfie crew uh, when we start season two. So uh, welcome. Yay, thank you. It's very exciting. Yes, I really enjoyed the last time I was on and uh, yeah, really excited to be to be here full time. Yeah, man, so are we, aren't we lads? Yes, indeed. Yeah. I'm very happy. Yeah. Although you didn't tell me there was a season two, so I'm a bit pissed off about that, but <laughs> yeah, I hadn't committed to anything. <laughs> you thought that you were almost done and oh, yeah. really? Another season? I was signing up the talent first, mate. Sorry, I'll get to yours in a minute. <sighs> okay. And... <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, the contract's in the post, mate. Uh, but sorry, I couldn't quite stretch to the monthly packages of Jamie Dodgers. Sorry about that. But uh, overrated anyway. In this episode, we're, we're going to be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog Frontiers. I don't know why I put the Hedgehog in that because maybe <laughs> I'm just so used to saying that. Sonic you know? Parentheses the Hedgehog Frontiers. Yeah. There you go. And we're going to be talking about Andor. We will <gasps> also be talking quite in length, I can imagine, as our feature Doctor Who and everything that's been going on in that land of. I'm so 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I've got nothing else to say apart from if we're all sitting comfortably, let's prepare to fast forward. But let's kick things off with with Sonic Frontiers and Rich. That that's uh, that's what you've been playing recently, isn't it? Yeah, I literally got it this past week for my my birthday, and nothing's changed. I'm still getting Sonic games from my parents when I uh, get a year older. So. I'm 39, by the way, so that's good. Sure. That's not tragic uh-huh. at all. <laughs> Sonic is ageless. Sonic is it ageless. Is, it is. As am I. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sonic Frontiers, what can I say? I'm really, really loving this game. I really am. Um, when it came out, I think the beginning of November, there were a lot of mixed opinions, a lot of mixed reviews. The actual review embargo was like right on the 11th hour. So I was like... Uh, it's not a good sign. Sonic's had a very mostly patchy history when it's come to 3D. I mean, on the Dreamcast, Sonic Adventure had a lot of charm. Sonic Adventure 2 was a marked improvement. But I think other than maybe Heroes and then definitely Colours, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Well, let's, and... not, let's not mention uh, Sonic 06, eh? Hey, come on, everyone loves to be a bestiality, you know. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I feared the worst for this game, and I love it. I'm only 30 hours in <laughs> since wow. Monday. Hours. <laughs> since Monday. <laughs> I've still completed it yet. I was going to do it today, but yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. It's, essentially, it just breaks the mould for Sonic games. They've kind of very cynically gone down a... Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild route in that it's a massive expansive open world with like like grassy plateaus and it's got like the really nice melodic 
in and out like little piano music just kind of comes in and disappears very much like breath of the wild it really sets a mood and a tone it's like basically a sonic game if it was profound and uh artistic is the best way to put it yeah and I, I love it i love it there's still some of the things about sonic in 3d that are there like sometimes the camera lets you down you need an absolute laser precision laser focus like sense of depth perception to not die 10 times in about a minute because you're jumping onto a ledge but because of the way the camera's placed you're completely missing the ledge and falling to your death yeah there are still some of the frustrations but a lot less common compared to more of the recent entries it's just a lovely lovely game it's so different and i won't go into spoilers with the storyline but it goes pretty hard in terms of actual character development and it does a lot of callbacks to previous games and we're talking back as far as sonic and knuckles and i don't mean in terms of just little easter eggs but it actually references stuff in the character's past and from the some of the not so spoilers i've got it basically completely turns everything upside down and has you questioning everything that you knew about the whole sonic franchise and the characters so yeah <laughs> you know it's it sega have gone full bore with this and they're, i think they're trying to take it in a new direction make it a lot more epic yeah it's just an amazing game and i, I won't touch up on storyline stuff but essentially you have i think there's five different massive open world islands and along the way you have to collect chaos emeralds surprise surprise and to break up the open world action, you've got these um, areas called cyberspaces, and they are more traditional Sonic levels that you kind of warp into, and you have like different missions to achieve in those levels to unlock the Chaos Emeralds and then progress through the main story. So you get some callbacks with the cyberspaces. So you've got some like Green Hill Zone action, Chemical Plant Zone is there, complete with some dubstep reworking of the theme tune, which I love. Because <laughs> I, I ironically that. love dubstep, love a bit of wub wub wub. It, it's just, yeah, it's an absolute blast. I love it. It's got a, an amazing soundtrack. The boss battles are epic in it. Again, kind of like Breath of the Wild, they're like massive screen filling guardians, kind of Shadow of the Colossus encounters and even the boss battles the music is basically hardcore screamo metal in a sonic game i know <laughs> i sat there with my controller in my hand just gritting like a prick i was like i've got screamo in a sonic game this is amazing so yeah it's like sega just made a sonic game for me um yeah i i, I just love this game again it's not perfect it's not even really my best my favorite game of this year but I wanted to shine a light on it because I'm seeing a lot of the people that are like slagging it off. It's getting like two, two out of tens, two out of fives, um, just saying it's bad and a mess. And I'm like, it's so far removed from that. And I, d I don't know if people just have it in for Sonic now because he's not really been in a great game outside of the 2D encounters and 2D, you know, two, the recent like Sonic Mania, Sonic. What's the other one that came out recently? Oh, the compilation? Um, Origins. Yeah, it's the one. Yeah. If it's not 2D Sonic, it usually is kind of shit. <laughs> but I think this is a real step forward for the franchise, and I'm hoping whatever they're doing 
going ahead is basically a refinement of this because they just need to kind of stay the course now and build on this. And I think they've got something really quite special in hands. So yeah, Sonic's back. <laughs> I think I think the problem with with Sonic and the three D games, obviously, it's got, such, it's got such a dodgy history with the quality of the games that any new 3d sonic game going forward is always going to have this apprehension of like it's just going to be shit and yeah unfortunately because it's now got that kind of reputation that a lot of people now just kind of just shit on it because it's just a 3d sonic game maybe we're not actually giving it enough of a chance to actually show them what it's actually got before they've made yeah. that decision, they, they've just gone, oh, it's another 3D Sonic game. It's it's a clone of Breath of the Wild. How is that going to work? Let's let's just let's just poo on it and, and move on, kind of thing. You know, if it was a 2D, like you say, 2D Sonic Mania style or old school Sonic game, then I think obviously it would be it would be completely different because it's got just got that 3D to it. And and even I, I mean, I'm quite a big Sonic fan, and uh, you know when. When I first saw the first trailer that came out for this game, I was I was a little bit apprehensive about it because we'd, we'd be, we've all been burned in the past. Oh yeah, like you say with Sonic 06 and <laughs> and Sonic and the Black Knight and Sonic Unleashed and you know Arabian all the, Nights, yeah, <laughs> all those kind what of various. Sonic games, and we just don't want that to happen again because we'd, it's sad to see. Uh, Sega come out with these Sonic games and we want yeah. to see Sonic be more. We want Sonic to be in a really decent place, in a really yeah. decent game and I get it. I, I get Sonic is hard to put into a 3D game. That The mm -hmm. whole notion of Sonic and being fast and doing all this stuff it works so well in a 2D game. But when you try and put that in a 3D, you know, I mean, they had much success with Sonic Adventure on, on the Dreamcast. You know, that was mm -hmm. that was a good Sonic 3D game. And, you know, it, it held hope for the future, but obviously it didn't go in the way that we hoped. Um, so yeah. I, I personally have only played a demo of this at EGX. And from what I played, I quite enjoyed the open worldness of it. I yeah. thought it was quite fun because Sonic could go as fast as he should be going in that sense. You know, it didn't take as long to explore the open world as it would necessarily take in, in Breath of the Wild or, or in other open world games. And, and no. for someone like me, who doesn't have as much time to play video games anymore as mm -hmm. I used to, that, that's actually quite appealing to, to have that idea, that notion that I can explore this big open world, but I can do it faster and, yeah. and see more mm. of that world in a, in a faster way because the character is built on speed then that's yeah. actually quite appealing to me. So I enjoyed the demo and I still think it's a bit weird. Like you've got all the grind, grinding bars and all that kind of stuff yeah. just weirdly scattered around this open world. And I, that is the one thing that does, is, does still stick in my craw a little bit, but it makes more sense as you learn about where they are and why they are there. And it, yeah, they aren't quite so randomly just suspended in the sky, the rails, once you actually kind of learn more about it. But I, I get that. And it is it does feel like a bit of a compromise that they aren't still fully comfortable with him in 3D. So they're kind of giving you the rails, like with recent 3D Sonic games, as a bit of a hands-off piece of gaming. Like you jump on the rail, boom hands off the controller for three or four seconds just to kind of get him get him along without the camera completely having a fit <laughs> and yeah it 
yeah, it, there is still a lot of hands-off gaming in it, especially in the cyberspace zones as well. Like, you kind of watch him just flying around loop loops down rails, but it is exhilarating. It's fun. I it, did like it works. Yeah, works. I was going to say I like with, with the grinding bars and 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 all that kind of stuff weirdly scattered around though. But it did work quite well in like um fast travel kind of thing you know oh, yeah. you could get from one side to the other of the arena that you're in pretty quickly as well because you could just jump on one bar to another bar go through some circles and this that, and the other and before you know it you're back where you wanted to be yeah. so that it kind of made for like a, fu- a fun fast travel kind of thing as well which you, you don't necessarily need with sonic but it, it made it a bit more fun i thought yeah and um I, I did get a chance to go to one of these um is it a totem i don't know what you call them yeah yeah and yeah. uh, and experience one of the like normal Sonic levels, and you're right, it it's just a, pretty much a 3D Sonic level, isn't it? So it was fine, it was fine. I, I I walked away and I didn't and I thought that the music from that particular level didn't really have the Sonicness to it. That you know, the, no Green Hill. I don't know. I didn't pick up anything. I don't know if it was because it was a demo there that are, was playing. There are definitely no outright bits of sonic music in it that i've heard and i'm kind of i can't welcome it really i mean they're trying to break break away from basically you know just you know member berries and nostalgia and you know do something a bit different and it's it's the first sonic game that's basically orchestral piano classical you name it it's it's a, a classy sonic game as it were. i know that uh, the the kind of music that's been in recent sonic games up to this point pe- pe- people are like really really into it right like oh, yeah. some people they go to the sonic games for the music in a way crush 40 hell yeah don't really get it myself <laughs> really you don't don't love a bit of live and learn Jeez. no i can't say i do <gasps> i can't say i do well, no. i i, I I'm interested in this one, and I'm I'm really glad to hear that you like it because I have I I've only it. really heard people dumping on this game, but it's 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 funny to me that we've been saying now it's difficult to put Sonic in a 3D game. We've been saying that for what coming up on 25 years at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Like you would have thought that they would work it out, but <laughs> no, they, either they seem, that they seem adamant, or, don't they? Yeah, it, it maybe it's the case that like. Because can you imagine if they put all of the production behind a really good 2D sort of Sonic game? There must but, be somebody uh, that wants to do that. And I think that's what everyone's been hankering. Just to, yeah. why, is there, why is there not been a sequel because, to Sonic Mania? Well, I mean, you can't compete in the AAA video game space unless you have videos and screenshots of 3D assets and mm. you know impressive things going on on the screen. I have to yeah. imagine that were they allowed, they would put all of their time and resources on doing a reimagining of what a 2D Sonic could be with modern har- hardware, and I bet it would be fucking awesome. Well, Sonic Hedgehog 4, you mean? <laughs> they're just not going to be allowed to do that because that you good. can't, you know, because then you can't release. Yeah, when did that come out? That was so bad. It was um, awful. 2008, 10, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, and Sonic as well. That was a good idea. Oh, uh, yeah. Christ. It was just really floaty and it just didn't feel right. Well, they should try again. Yeah, I mean, we we are not in the Saturn PlayStation era anymore. You know, in that era, no. everything had to be three D. That's mm. what the consumer were interested in was three D games. Everything had to be three D. 
And that's what they believed. I mean, still 2D games would have sold back then, but the the, the companies were just adamant that everything needed to be 3D. And, and I kind of got that. It was a new technology. It was a new era. We had Saturn, we had the PlayStation. That's what was happening. But now, I mean, the, the market's completely different. We're, you know, 2D pixel art games are just as popular now as they were in the Super Nintendo days. Yeah. And yep. they can easily, and, and Sonic Mania proved it, they could easily create something like something that all Sonic fan wants, and that's just like a 2D 16-bit pixel game, and it would sell by the bucket loads, and they made lots of money. Even a yeah. reimagining of a 2D Sonic game, why not do it in a different graphic style? Why not Why not play around with the 2D Sonic, but in different ways? You know, like what the hell, yeah. how Nintendo did with Link's Awakening on the Switch. Yeah. Where they just yeah. did a completely different graphical style with that game, and it just yeah. refreshed everything. Why can't you do that with Sonic? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, agree. Sonic Mania, to be fair, I mean, that wasn't developed by Sonic Team, right? So that was... It was like a, it was like based on an ensemble, wasn't it? Of um, was it, it Christian Whitehead? It was there Christian was Whitehead, yeah. Pixel, some I can't remember what it was. So it was a company, it was like another indie studio involved as well. It was like about three or four different people, yeah, I think, involved. But that, in that, so that sort of felt like an indie game, like an indie side game. I, 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 yeah. yeah. The the idea of like Sonic Team developing in house like a like a <laughs> like it's something that isn't a massive bombastic AAA looking Sonic game it's just kind of hard to imagine even though that is mm. absolutely what they should do instead of banging this drum every time and not quite getting there every time because it's kind of sad like I want Sonic to be in a good game for a change I mean not to say this one isn't good but you know the prevailing opinion seems to be. That it isn't, but I'm delighted that you're enjoying it, Ritz. I mean, I, one thing I will say is, and I kind of touched upon it earlier, it is like a wholesale, basically, just um, rip off of Breath of the Wild. It's not even yeah. Funny. I've seen, it's I've seen the little insane. circle of stamina slowly depleting. You've got there's like little characters in it, like you've got the Korok seeds in uh, Breath of the Wild and probably other Zelda games. There's little uh, characters called Cocos, beginning with a K as well that you pick up. <laughs> There's also Starfall events as well, where they basically there's like a shower of um, shooting stars at night, and when that happens, all the characters, that, all the enemies that you defeated, are resurrected. Uh, it's, it's, seriously, it's like it's mad how much they've just lifted. I'm and so- I don't, I don't knock them for it. It's a good recipe to wholesale still from, but yeah, I'm surprised Nintendo have been on them for a lawsuit or something. Oh, they you would, know? Yeah. <laughs> too busy. Suing children for drawing okay. Mario, so about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, one, one more question about Sonic yeah. Frontiers before we move on, and how are you getting on with the fishing? I love it; it's great. Oh dear. Okay, generally good. I mean, Big the Cat is as still as divvy as ever. You know, hi Sonic. You know, <laughs> you want to fish? It's just yeah, he's exactly as I remember him in Sonic Adventure, but he's he's sweet enough. Oh. But the fishing actually serves a purpose. You can use it to kind of grind away so you can unlock keys for the um, towers to get more Chaos Emeralds. You can. I won't go into all the different things you unlock because it kind of ties into the story. But yeah, the, the fishing <laughs> isn't just some like distraction. It actually can serve a purpose and it's quite relaxing as well. It's very nice. So I'm, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really enjoying this idea that Sonic Frontiers has a story that is in any way worth spoiling or avoiding spoiling. Yeah, like, proper... On the side, I need you to tell me what's going on there because that's fascinating. <laughs> it's a proper JRPG shit, but not annoying and crap. So <laughs> yeah, it's deep and yeah, profound. It's 
quite epic. Yes, quite epic. Well, looking forward so, to um, they're going for it. They're going for it. Looking forward to playing it. I have it on order, yeah. so um, it's it's on its way. Really, good man. I do. Good man. Do. Good. Oh, One more boy. thing as well. I saw the commercial for the game <clears> in the cinema, and Sega actually brought back the Sega thing at oh, the end did of they? the commercials. Oh, yeah, brilliant. it's back. It's back. So. Amazing. I'm, I'm assuming that's a thing they're doing going forward, and it's not just all new Sonic game, but they look like they're bringing back, you know, what's old is new again. So good. Well, well, from one weird world to another, I guess. Um, Steve, you've been watching some Star Wars, haven't you? I have. I have been watching some Star Wars. Specifically, I've been watching Andor, which is oh, the God. latest Star Wars product um, content available on <laughs> Disney Plus. Yes. <laughs> latest products using the star wars intellectual property it so look i've been like i'm kind of a lapsed star wars fan i'm not i'm not like angry about it i'm not a frothing fanboy or any, anything like that but like rise of skywalker was trash right 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 you're you're, yeah. among, you're among good companies okay Don't worry. Cool. good oh, all right um, fine yeah. you're not gonna hey, i yeah. love the last jedi you talking about <laughs> the last Jedi? Uh, I also that really was... enjoyed. It. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I hate it. <laughs> you, so... you wait, till, wait till you get started on Doctor Who. Good God! <laughs> but um, in addition to that, Book of Boba Fett also trash. Yep. The Obi Wan series. I mean, I watch these things out of out of obligation, and I have a good time. But because it's a Star War. But you know they're not they're not they're not great, right? And then so I watched the trailer for Andor, and I was like, yeah, that looks like they spent a lot of money on it. Sure, I'll watch that purely out of obligation. And holy shit, it is extremely good. Oh, like yeah. it immediately became the best Star Wars has ever been, and I'm probably including like original trilogy in that. Like this this yep. thing is outstanding. It's twelve episodes. The last one came out last week. Twelve episodes is a lot as well, and it's one of those really rare times where you get quality and quantity. I don't think there's a duff episode in this thing. I don't think that there's a duff scene in this whole thing. It is just fantastic. So it's by the same people that did Rogue One. Names are escaping me right now. Tony. Rich. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, no Gareth Edwards though. But no, we all know sadly. why. Yes. Yeah. What what they're doing with Andor is they are saying, okay, we'll make a Star War, but we're going to play it straight, and everybody in it is going to play it straight, and you don't get sweeping CGI shots of Coruscant. Everything is shot from like ground level. Everything is from the characters' perspectives. And they've made a spy thriller that is set in what feels like the 70s. Like a, a huge bulk of this show takes place in what is effectively a working class town in the north of England in mm. the 70s. That, you know what? That's exactly the vibe I got when I started watching yeah. it. I was like, this and is weird. It weirded me out for like the first two episodes because I was like, what? I didn't, I didn't know how to process it. Yeah, it's kind of jarring. He, he, it takes you a little bit to sort of sell into it. And then you realize you're like, okay, they're actually doing this. Uh, like that. And then they're really going for it. And then once you, once you sort of adjust your expectations like that, it's just, man, it's the best. It is so good. It's so good. Mm -hmm. I, think, I was surprised of how many English and European actors are actually present in it. It's like overwhelmingly British. <laughs> yeah. I yes. wasn't expecting it at all. And I'm only four episodes in at the moment, but, yeah, it's 
it's it feels like you said just really like like a sun a Sunday evening um who done it like not who done it like detective kind of story just got mm-hmm. that vibe to it yeah but the, the music took I was like where to go this music like is music's everywhere and I love it <laughs> yeah but it's so unique like it's so synthy <laughs> compared oh, to not you expecting orchestral stuff. And then I was like, this is all, this is like proper like 70s, 80s synth sounding. It was kind of beautiful in a, because in it, a yeah, way. Yeah. And, and the, cause the score, like it's compared to, compared to your normal Star Wars, this is like <laughs> comparatively low stake. Like it feels super high stakes, but they're not shooting a big laser at a thing that does a big explosion. Like it's comparatively pretty low stakes. It is, it is just character interactions. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's personal stakes. Like we're yeah. building up to a, to a wider rebellion. This is this is the rebellion sort of in its infancy, and it explores what it is like to start sowing the seeds of rebellion within within an empire, and the personal sacrifices and the like. You've got um, Mon 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 Mothma. Mon Mothma. Yep. Not right. Yep. Yeah, not Mon Mothra. Oh, that's, true. No, um, that's interesting. Uh, she's like, there. yeah, well, she's like trying to funnel money here and there. She's trying to access her accounts <sighs> in secret, and she's trying to cover it up with some create some creative accounting. But suddenly, there's like auditors sniffing around her bank accounts. Just remember, this is in Star Wars, and these are literally <laughs> conversations that happen. She's talking about how there are auditors trying to look at her accounts, which is making it difficult for her to fun, fun, funnel money to you know these covert groups that she doesn't even really know a lot about or understand. They replaced her driver, and she suspects that her driver is a spy. You've got Skarsgård, who, who's playing an antiques dealer, who is also secretly a member of the rebellion, and he's like secretly pulling levers behind the scenes. And oh man, it's I I can't I can't put enough praise on this show. It is just it is just amazing. It's yeah, it it it's. I mean, there's been enough WhatsApp exchanges or signal exchanges between me and Steve about this, and it is. I mean, I've made no secret about it that Rogue One is the best Star Wars film ever made. This is. This is an even better Star Wars general in general. Like, put all the TV shows and films together, and or it's the best Star Wars has ever, ever been. And what I love about it is that it does strip it back to, instead of it just being, all oh, the Empire, and there's this cartoony villain that just wants to, you know, blow up planets. There's, it's just, it takes it, and it just makes them this bureaucratic uh, you know just oppressor they are just a government you know what i mean like you've got all the just the most mundane things in this show like i won't go into details but there's like things that will take place in the local town and there'll be like you know a funeral and they will basically sign off on these things give permission for these events to take place they impose restrictions on how many people can be there and how long it takes when it starts when it ends it's it's just actual yeah. proper day-to-day life bullshit yeah like how like... we might moan about our local council being pricks you know it's like this this is the empire and it's it's growing and becoming a bigger bigger monster instead of just being this ridiculous fucking yeah cartoon yeah. and yeah. villain 
organization enterprise that it does in some of the other films especially the sequel trilogy which is trash um but yeah i digress <laughs> like that's, so. yeah like that's that's exactly what it's doing it's 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 depicting empire it's not like okay th- this isn't the cartoon empire this isn't this isn't the empire that you buy a pair of socks that has a stormtrooper on it. Like this is <laughs> this is an actor like th- this is a contemporary story about fa- about fascism as well because They're actual fascists. <laughs> it, it, because it really it really examines and illustrates how within that kind of fascist structure you get individuals that see the opportunity for personal advancement and how that feeds into authoritarian overreach and that's how you get people saying yeah grant them the street to hold their funeral but give it to them just for the afternoon and limit it to 30 to 30 people it's like suddenly these people have boots on their necks just because of individuals deciding like god this is my chance to exert my authority (sighs) so fucking good (laughs) like it, it it's it starts off with a private security company so it's not the empire that that, that that sort of has jurisdiction of this town. It's this private security company, and there are individual forests, basically. So, but yes, um, and it's <laughs> and it's and it's individuals in this company that well, there's one individual uh, who who doesn't have the authority to to act in an official capacity, but he's got like he's got this sort of like nascent authoritarian streak through him, and he feels empowered by the wider overarching empire he's like no i am gonna do this i am gonna go down there and we're gonna put our boots down and we're gonna show them who's boss and he finds this like work bff who like talks him up and says yes no we're absolutely we're absolutely gonna do that and and he leads this troop of guys to go down there to try and find andor and it just all goes to shit and it just kicks off this chain of events that is just well i won't spoil it but man it's 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 incredibly good his work BFF played by Trevor from EastEnders, by the way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, that's Trevor. No way. These fascists as well. They get, the reason why I think this is a real like a contemporary story is because these people exist now. Like these guys have twi- yeah. have Twitter accounts and they're, you know, they are praising Elon mm. Musk right now and they're talking about how they're centrists. And they want to defend freedom, freedom of speech, but oh, really, man. really, they're super fashy, and they're just waiting for their moment. They're just waiting oh, for it. Shit, it's incredible, and like the writing, the writing is just phenomenal. That's the thing oh. when you give it, when you allow people who love it and appreciate it and respect it to do good television or good films. In the case of Rogue One, it pays off. Yeah, to everyone because well, you're yeah. all on the same page, like. But when you, when you give it to people who have no care what they're doing and just don't give a crap, quality comes well, through. too much of a crap like J.J. Abrams where it's just like, I need to just yeah. keep scratching the nostalgia rich and make it just That's cinematic it. Funko Pops, basically. It's, you know, I, like, I understand it's why just, people ugh. bounced off The Force Awakens, but he was trying something, right? He was like he was answering yeah. a question that George Lucas accidentally asked with the prequel tri- 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 trilogy, which was "What if the Jedi sucked?" and people bounced <laughs> yeah. off it because they didn't like it because it was weird and different. And so, Rise of Skywalker was 
like the corporate response to that, which was like, no, we need to get this back on the rails. Star Wars is a funhouse ride that you sit in and you clap and smile at the stuff you rec- you recognize, and then you leave the cinema feeling happy. That's all Star Wars is. I hate and the ends of that fucking film. Me, oh, what made me cross about it is that, <laughs> yes, that is all Star Wars is, but it could be so much more. And mm. that's what frustrates me about it. And and Andor is meeting that potential. And it just sucks. I mean, also you told me that the the engagement, the viewing figures on it aren't as bad as what they They're not. said. No, but it's no. been a casualty of all that shite that's come before it. And it's yeah. the best Star Wars ever. Yeah, I and know. It's so disheartening. Like it is. Just, I oh. know people who refuse to watch Andor because uh, the Obi Wan series was so bad, and it's <sighs> really frustrating. Everything is entitled to a chance. I give everything a chance. I didn't watch the book of Boba Fett because Bang. I just I honestly guys <laughs> I wasn't interested. I didn't care. Yeah. I did not care enough and Hey Chris, it's Boba Fett. Do you remember? Do you remember do Boba you know, Fett? Yeah, I'm gonna I, know, I do remember. I'm gonna blow your mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind right after now. being too drunk. In Robot Chicken, and he was drunk flying his jetpack. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. why he died. Uh, that is where it ends. Yeah. <laughs> the um, yeah. the iconic, the iconic bit of lore, which is Boba Fett going in the Sar- in the Sarlacc pit, right? I, I, there were extended universe stuff written about what happened next, but that mm. all fell out, fell out, fell out, fell out of canon, and 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 went into legend. And the book of Boba Fett answered the question about what happens next, like this huge question, and the answer is he climbed out. <laughs> and then that's it some, he just uh, met... fucking climbed out and then yeah and then and then he and then he listed the 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 help from a moped gang oh god that was that was some like cringy doctor who shit i hated that the space mods i was like no <laughs> it was, yeah, it was awful. terrible awful and yeah. good and and was remarkable do you do you think that there's room for you know like the fan I don't know, like, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, it was all made to, to please the fans, wasn't it, in some ways? Like, we got to see Obi-Wan come face-to-face with Darth Vader for the first time since he had that big battle in in Episode 3 with Anakin. Um, so it was all a bit like um, for the fans, wasn't it, and and that kind of stuff. And I, I know, Rich, you were, quite, you were quite keen on that series, and so was I. You know, it, it was quite cool to see that kind of that side from Star Wars, but... Then obviously we're getting this this new side of Star Wars through Andor. Do you think there's room for both, or do you think like it needs yes. to go in in a particular way that Andor is showing? I think there is room for both. Yeah, I, I, I'm like I said, I, I'm not cross at what Star Wars has become. It's it's fine. I'm just not super into it anymore. But some people love it. That could keep going. Mm. But I would also really love to get more of the stuff like Andor. I, I agree. I mean, I'm 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 still I'm still a sucker for fan wank. I'm not going to pretend that I'm above it. And I'm like, oh no, uh, don't want references and member berries. Uh, no, it just shouldn't be gross. I don't want this whole like Rise of Skywalker ending where it's like, oh, my name's Ray. Ray what? Ray Star Wars. I hate that shit. It's just the worst <laughs> thing ever. It's just like, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you remember? It's like. That's why the one thing I hate about Rogue One is that there's that random little inoffensive bit with three PO and R two. I was like, that didn't need to be there. No. <laughs> Get rid of it. But, Put it but on the room the floor. Only, yeah, but right. the only reason they're there is because Star Wars. They're, they're like a trademark, aren't they? Like, let's put C three PO and R two in there, and it's like, 
oh, sell more, sell more figures, and we get people in because they've appeared in every iteration pretty much yeah. <laughs> so far. We gave free, we gave free uh, Pure a red arm in Force Awakens for no reason, so we could sell a new figure. <laughs> so I hate that so much. And, but and yeah, they, I think... they even write that line into the goddamn script. Yeah. Do you remember that when he's explaining why he's got a red arm? It's like, why? Or why? Plainly, the fans can understand that he's been fixed in the past twenty years. Yeah, I think but, there's room for both. They just they need there is to definitely just... room for both. Well, it's yeah. it's, it's a perfect balance. It, you've got Obi Wan was the Sunday afternoon family drama version of Star Wars, wasn't it? It was kind of like a, a it was something. <laughs> yeah, it was something. Uh, no one can work, quite work it out. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Obi Wan suffered for being produced over COVID. Like my my the the, the issue with Obi Wan was that it felt really cheap. Like they, they every time there was a crowd scene, it felt like there was like twelve people. Everything yeah. felt like it was shot on a soundstage. It it, it it all felt really cheap and kind of rushed. But so it was maybe a casualty of COVID. I I don't know. I don't know. It just it felt weird that you would bring back these two very popular actors, very popular characters, and then make that with it. It it felt a yeah. bit. It felt massively underwhelming. And although just like every single moment on the screen, it just feels like this is the most expensive show ever. It's stunning to look at. It sets the mood. Like Andor, along with all the other Star Wars shows, and now Star Trek, and a lot of them think they're filming on those big OLED volumes. Now, like you just said, Steve, (laughs) The Mandalorian was filmed on the volume, but it's populated with many physically built sets and many extras... Mm. And they even use mirrors in some cases to multiply the people. Like so, it's all peripheral vision stuff. But like I said, mm-hmm. Obi Wan felt a bit, a bit claustrophobic, a bit yeah, stripped did. down minimalist. But the best, the best comment I said I saw was someone saying that Obi Wan looked like it was filmed on an iPhone twelve. <laughs> it just looks yeah. like a, a, a fan project. It's so weird. But the, the mm. scope of Andor, the whole production. And I don't know how much of it has even been filmed using the OLED volume because it feels like it's all properly on sets and properly in locations. It doesn't... I don't know if it's just evolved so much since, since Mandalorian, but I just cannot tell. It looks it looks amazing and it feels oh, it does. organic. Yeah, the, whatever location right. they're shooting on with the encampment in, was it episode two or three? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. they, all, they all meet and they all sort of get on this thing. It looked... So cold and atmospheric, and that's in and the that's in the Highlands, that's in Scotland, I believe. Yeah, yeah. it looks gorgeous, yeah. absolutely yeah. gorgeous, and you felt it and you feel mm-hmm. it, and it didn't feel forced, it didn't feel oversaturated, it didn't feel overlit. It was just done so well, and like I said, I've got yeah another five episodes to go, and I'm looking forward to them even more so now. It literally, it literally only gets better. <laughs> literally, there's no, there's, there isn't a duff episode. There isn't, there isn't a duff episode. It just, it I just kept keeps waiting like... for the foot to drop, and it was like, oh, it's, it's yeah. not. It's generally brilliant week, week after week. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of it goes places too. Like it's not afraid to, you know, it takes some hard left turns in there. You spend some time doing something completely different to what's been ha- yeah. happening, and it pulls it off extremely well. It's yeah, just it's just great and. Uh, there's only going to be two seasons of it. They've already confirmed the the second season is the last one, which so is a good a thing narratively speaking. It means that they can tell a complete story and everything. But I'm I'm a little bit worried. I don't want this to be the only time that we do this. I, I really hope that we get to do this again. Mm. The, this sim the similar kind of tone and this similar kind of production because I just I just yeah. think it works 
so well. And I'm like, I'm back. I'm, I'm for this. I am back. I am a Star Wars fan. If, 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 if you know, if this is going to be something that they do going forward. What, what scares me? A film like Rogue One that I love. This show's making it even better. <laughs> when mm-hmm. I watch this show, when I watch that film back after season two of Andor, it's just going to break me. And I, that film already breaks me, and it's just like, how have you made a, a, an amazing film, even that? But you have. This, this like, is the thing. You're they're, right, they're making just... a prequel to a standalone Star War. That's the thing now, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know their fate. Yeah, yeah. You know what's yeah. going to happen, but it never once crosses my mind because you're so in, like you're so in that telling, visually and script. And performance-wise, mm. that you you forget that spoilers, they all die, um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just like well, yeah, you're right. Like Andor, like he's in he he's in peril, uh, but you're you feel really tense, even though you know he will definitely survive, uh, and you know he will definitely get out of the scrape because I you know I know how he dies and I ain't here. And time travel is <sighs> not a Star Wars thing, so they nope. can't throw that one in. Please, no ideas, Disney, please. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, the only one thing that makes uh, Rogue One better, and that was Mr. Blobby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that was terrifying. That was terrifying. Yeah. Don't approve of that at all. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's, there's a video floating around oh. on the internet somewhere where they replace Darth Vader with Mr. Blobby, and it's amazing. It's like the corridors, the, uh, the infamous corridor scene. It's uh, What yeah. was the one yeah. I sent you guys? Horrifying. Oh, there's been a few, wasn't there? There was a few. Yeah. It was, they put Mr. Blobby into... Oh, what was it? And there was one oh, paranormal activity, wasn't there? That's um, you, pivot uh, Rich, to Mr. Blobby yeah. in there. Yeah. Rich, said, <laughs> yeah, Rich sent, me, sent us the the Mr. Blobby paranormal... Oh, sure. And the yeah. It one. And the I it can't one, remember. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. But, <laughs> yeah, bad. Badly, badly Mr. good. Mr. Badly Blobby good. would improve the sequel trilogy. There you go. Bring it back round full circle. <laughs> Who would he replace? Anyone because they're all completely unrem- unmemorable. Like Ray, Finn, Poe's okay, I guess. The Mr. Whole- Blobby is in Ray's role. I'm, my name is Mr. Blobby. Look, Mr. Blobby, what? Mr. Blobby. Mr. Blobby Skywalker. Yeah. Mr. Blobby Skywalker. Mr. Blobby looking at the two sons at the end, like just blowing a raspberry. <laughs> Please, hands on his hips. So he does when he gets really pissed off. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you'd improve that movie because they're I'd hot watch garbage. It. Yeah, hot uh, garbage. Yeah. I've never seen right. that film once. I would definitely go back if uh, yeah. if he was in it so. for sure. Well, I've been trying to think of a way to seg- segue from this to, to the next subject, and all I can come up with this, so bear with me. Um, so when we were talking about the book of Boba Fett earlier, I've been reading a book. Mr. Boba nice. Fett, yeah. That was an <laughs> excellent segue. <laughs> the book of Boba Fett. Oh, then Rich, then Rich oh, ruined no. it. We're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> I've just done a really awesome segue, man, and you've just pissed all over it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it just it just was there. I couldn't I couldn't miss it. I just oh. the book of Boba <laughs> Fett. Well, yeah, I'll be reading Thank a you. book. Ooh. Yeah, no, right. Uh, we were, uh, well, I was lucky enough to uh, get a review copy of Nostalgia Nerd's latest books, gadgets, gizmos, and gimmicks. And I must say, it's a really interesting read. And um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Nostalgia Nerd. Are, you, are anyone here familiar with him? Yeah, I am. Yeah. 
Um, he's he's quite popular on YouTube. He does loads of videos just on old gadgets and gizmo, doesn't he, really? And computer games and just comes up with all this kind of like really obscure stuff as well, doesn't he? But uh, yeah, he's just released his new book. And uh, yeah, a really good, interesting read. And the book itself is really like nice, good quality from the from the heart from the cover the hardback cover it it doesn't have that kind of like uh shine that a lot of hardbacks have got it's kind of a, like a matte finish mm. and it feels like matte yeah it feels really nice and to stroke <laughs> that sounds really <laughs> touchy oh no oh no how how does it smell how does it smell Jason? Uh, it does smell really good and like it's always a good sign of a good book, isn't it? It's like when you what? open the book, you, you open it half halfway. That waft, that waft, and you get that yeah. you get that waft of like yeah. ink and, and fresh paper and and what whatever it is. There was abundance of this smell when I opened the book, so you you know you've got a good quality of book straight away just as soon as you've opened it. Yeah, but what I did like, and I and I mentioned this in the review, which is on the website. Was like um, they they put all like little icons of like some of the uh, gadgets that he talks about in the book, but they've all, they've got the little shine to it. So like when when you swivel the book and you catch it in the light, they kind of like just shine up a little bit more oh, on, nice. on, the, on the cover. It's, so it's a very different book review. I like it. It's like... Yeah. You know. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the paper stock used? Is that well, good you know, as, as, pages? It's a funny that... you should say that, Steve, because that's exactly what I was going to mention next. Oh, good. <laughs> because it's important, isn't it? Like you you don't want to spend twenty quid on a book and then the papers just shit inside. You know, like no, absolutely. You, you want like mm. a nice, good quality paper. That you know you're not just going to rip when you do like a really you know hard flip of a page because you're like so into it and you're like want to see the next page and you go flip and it rips and you go ah oh, bollocks you know yeah yeah um, but yeah. no no fear not because this book has got really good quality nice thick paper inside Excellent. so you'd be the typeface on the other page doesn't show through you can exactly <laughs> Excellent. that's really beautiful. Good. Look, if Nostalgia oh, Nerd is listening right now, I think I'll be getting complaints. <laughs> but no, um, the you know you've got a good good font. Uh, I, I like the size of the font because. Oh look, shit, man! Look, bear, really doing look, this. Look, really bear doing with this. me. Bear with me because it's important. Because I buy books sometimes, and like the font is too small, even with glasses on, and I'm, like, I'm struggling to read this shit, and like I'm not I'm- enjoying the book, and I need good quality size fonts in my books. Thank you very much, and this has got yeah. it. So this You're a is big why. James Patterson fan, and that's exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like Ariel so. 20. <laughs> but look, we get all out of the way now. People know it's a good quality book. Let's talk about the inside because, like, he covers some really good stuff. And, like, it start, he starts off with like, a whole article on his, like, childhood bum bag and the kind of stuff that you would expect uh, to find inside it. And that's I thought awesome. that, was, okay. that was really cool feature. I really enjoyed reading that. And... Like he he brought back some old stuff that I just completely forgot existed and 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 just just hearing Bumbag again was just a, a nostalgia yeah. hit straight away. Yeah. Um, and then he he goes into some of the like the biggest like human inventions that have ever occurred just just to warm you up. You know, we talk about the wheel and all that kind of stuff before we we go into like the 1930s and we start with the 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 first kind of gadget that he he goes into detail on and that's a tease made and i was like huh yeah exactly steve that 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 was my impression that was my reaction (laughs) but i realized it was going this hard on the nostalgia i thought it was like first from the 80s up not from the 30s yeah wow 
But it was actually really interesting just to okay. just to learn about like technology from the thirties and the kind of shit that they had to put up with to to have this convenience of having a tease made and things like that. <laughs> but you know, we we progressed through the years and and we get to the eighties and like the what I mentioned in the review was this quest pronounced quest on pen so like mid 80s and it was like this pen and it had a little led nib on its end and like you you um had a book and you could uh the pen would ask you questions and then you press the pen on the page to what you thought the answer to the question was and uh it would help you do mazes and things like that and like i completely forgot this thing ever existed until i saw it back in this page and i remember having one of these somehow or another i remember that yeah it doesn't even oh, sound like God. anything familiar Questron pen. Is that what you mean? Questron? Yes. Yeah. If I see a picture of it, maybe I'll be like, oh, that. Do you know what? I, I'm, he, I'm opening you a said, tab like this second. <laughs> he, said that, <laughs> he said that this book brought up stuff that you'd forgotten even existed. And then he mentioned the tease made in the Questron pen. Like, yeah, it delivers. I'd forgotten but both of those were a thing. But he also talks about the like the Sony Walkman and and the times that that first came out and the impact it had on the on the market and we go to the Discman as well. I didn't really realise how early on Discmans actually were released. Discmans are sick, and it just takes you on this great trip. And you you go into the nineties. We we hit on some mobile phones. He, he covers one of the Motorola phones. Uh, obviously, <laughs> the, the Nokia thirty three ten is in there. Game Boy colours make an appearance and. And and he, he, we go all the way through to like the the Oculus, I believe, is in there as well near the end. So yeah, yeah so we start from a tease made and go to an Oculus it, and, and and everything in between. It's just really good, interesting read, and uh, highly recommended from me. So you can go and check that out. It's out right now. I believe it's like seventeen pound for a copy. So uh, yeah, go go and do your favour. Christmas shopping, go and get one of those for yourself. Be brilliant. The other thing I've been doing is playing a video game. Um, we got a review <gasps> code from Team 17 of all places. Wow. For a game called Bravery and Greed. Bravery and Greed is like a 16-bit pixel art dungeon brawler roguelite. But it's feature-packed. I mean, there's so much stuff going on in this game, it was hard to keep up with it all. From like accessibility-wise and from just features within the dungeons as you're going through them, it was crazy. But we, we start off with four characters, and we have a, um, a wizard, a an Amazon, a valiant warrior, and a... I can't remember what the last one is. I think they call it a rogue. But it okay. looks like... Yeah. These four people, they're in a pub. And they learn they, they 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 learn of this magic door that is hidden behind a waterfall, and behind this door is just untold riches. And but the only way to open this door is to find four different runes, and these four different runes act as the key to to open this door. So they all uh, decide that this is worthy of their time to go out and uh, battle hordes of enemies and traps to to find these runes and open the door. So you can choose between one of these four characters to start the game. And obviously each character has their own uh, abilities and weapons. Like the Amazon has a big has a big sword, but she's quite fast and good for like mid to close combat. Whereas the wizard, he's got like a scepter. So he's a bit better for long ranged attacks. Um, but he's also got this magical spell that brings out this monster that will 
uh, fight back, fight the enemies for you while you just hang back and, I don't know, have a cup of tea or something while he, while he does the <laughs> business. So it's really good in that way. It, I don't know, in some ways it kind of reminded me of Gauntlet in some ways. I don't know, it's kind of weird how you had these four different characters or four different I can abilities see that. and stuff. But obviously uh, the, the game has local co-op, so you can have up to four people play at once as well. But it's also got uh, online play as well. So you can do four-player co-op online, uh, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, you have four different stages, obviously one for each ruin, and you have to, I don't know, they're kind of set up in, in like rooms. So you can explore a little bit and then you'll go into this area and it's a room. Both both exits are blocked off until you've completed the waves of enemies that are going to come at you. <laughs> they could they obviously start off light and easy and as you progress through the game, obviously they get a lot harder and and more of them and the combat's okay it, it was fine but i did find it they were kind of magnetized to you in some ways like you never really had a chance to i don't know think properly about what you was going to do and, and okay. in the end in the end i kind of i was kind of just button mashing mm. to um try and just defeat all these 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 enemies and so in that sense i was a little bit disappointed because there's obviously a range of different uh, attacks that you can do with each character. And the, the the basic for each of them is like you've obviously got a main weapon, a secondary weapon, you can do a dash, and you've got a dodge roll as well. So there's, you've got different uh, abilities you can combo with, but because the enemies are on you completely all the time, you don't really have a lot of chance to to think properly about how you can do that. It's either that or my old, main brand, uh, old man brain... <laughs> Uh, just couldn't keep up the action, but it was fine. It was okay. It was, and obviously the combat is one of the big main things of the game. And I'm not gonna, I'm not saying it's crap. I'm not just saying, I'm just saying it's fine. It was fine. There was nothing yeah. special. You come across altars, and the altars is where you pray to get different abilities. And you know, like you can have twenty percent more health, but then you'll you'll lose ten percent stamina or something like that. Uh, and they have four different areas of this. So the first time you come to an altar, you um, get to choose one of these diff- four different houses. I don't really sure how to pronounce it, but um, you get chaos, which is all like attack-based ben- uh, perks, and then you've got life, which is all health-based perks, darkness, which is all like obviously dark things, and there's a skill one as well. So um, it, it kind of shapes your run in this game depending on which one you choose because from that point onwards all the perks that you pick up from altars as you find them are all going to be based on what you chose the first time around so i see so like it it's good in the way that you can mix and match different things to make your runs more interesting and and make them uh more fun i guess like not not so boring because if it was just the same thing every time it would obviously get boring very quickly so you you know you could the first run you could choose the Amazon warrior but then you could choose the life skills and have that and the next one you could choose the warrior and then the chaos ones and really like mix and match the the gameplay and mix it up a bit. I um, see, I see. So it was quite I, good in that way. I like that. So, I like the uh, I like the look of it. I like, I like the graphics. They look yeah. um, something about those character designs reminds me of something that you play uh, like on the Amiga five hundred or something like one of those games that someone developed in their bedroom in the Uh 90s, in the early 90s, uh, late 80s 80s even, yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny because the the, the developers that, really sorry, I'm really bad at reviews, their name passes me, but they're a bunch of two people and they spent seven years making this game. Wow. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. So they're, they're, it's, it's kind of like a, their baby. Um, they've they put yeah. a lot of work into this. And it really sh- it does show through it when you do play the game. Because as well as the altars, you do find statues as well. And the statues, when you pray at them, they give you like temporary health and stamina buffs. And sometimes they will even give you a, a, another perk to, to add to whatever else that you've gained at the time. There, you can meet tradespeople to buy stuff, potions, upgraded items and all that kind of stuff. You can find someone that will enhance your equipment and make them better. You kind of got all the same kind of roguelike traits in there. The, the equipment that you find in the dungeons, you can find a gauntlet, boots, uh, a pendant and a wand. The, the wand is a weapon that you can use during combat and all the others just give you different abilities. Like my favorite one was it, it made one of the enemies that you defeated come back come back alive and, and fight for you, uh, which I quite liked. It was nice. quite handy. Got me out of a few, few scrapes. Necromancy. There. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm touching the, the, I'm just touching what, what else this game has got. So yeah, like you said, Steve, really nice visuals. Like all the environments were really detailed. The character models were really cool. I really digged all that kind of stuff. And I say about the four stages, and it doesn't sound a lot, but because you can mix and match the characters and the abilities and everything else, and that gives it its longevity, I quite like that there was only four stages because games like Dead Cells, which is a game I really liked as well, but it kind of got a bit too much sometimes because of the amount of stages there are in one room. And I know you can save and start from wherever in that run, but it still felt a lot uh, for, for, for one run. So I, I kind of really appreciated that there's only four stages in this game. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. it's like having, it's like needing big font in the book, right? Exactly. You also need your games to <laughs> have a manageable number of stages. That's just, it just comes with age. I feel yeah. that I feel the same way. Um, it, it felt manageable to me. Yeah. And, and one other thing I will say about the game as well is that all the when you finish a run, uh, all the gold that you've collected goes to a, like a bar. So it fills up a bar and then it'll start again and it'll fill it up again and then it'll stop. And you kind of go up levels as you're filling up the bar. But every time you do that, you gain a chest. So then you could, if you've done a really successful run, you could end up having like five or six chests to open after a run. And, in, and inside those chests are like uh, better weapons and better equipment and um, other things that you can find within the dungeons to make the game easier or more interesting or or harder or what. And I, I kind of like that. Uh, and obviously, wh- whatever level you stop at, it will start again when you die when you when you finish the next run. And one of one of the things in the game is that you can unlock these cards, which then you can equip in the lobby which will make the game harder or easier depending on what you you choose. That they all have different perks, a bit like what you find within the dungeon. But you can mix and match all these cards, and I had four or five of them going at once, so it doesn't seem to have any kind of like limit to them. So yet again, that's something else that you can spice up your runs and make it a bit more different by just com- combining all these different cards and, and giving yourself all these different perks or, or giving all the enemies a harder level of difficulty and and stuff like that so when you like i said when you combine all that as well with everything else it it just makes it makes for a really cool little game so that's really really cool go for a roguelite as well it was was cool it blows my mind when a relatively small number of developers can put some put something out like that 
It's crazy. No, agreed. Agreed. Some of the best games are made by the least amount of people. I mean, yeah. I looked recently at um, what I've been playing recently, Cultic, which is amazing. Oh, um, yes, that's fantastic. I love Cultic. And prior to that, obviously, of course, the uh, one and only Stardew Valley. I mean, one mm-hmm. dude, one dude. They're legendary yep. games. I think you make it more, you, you do certainly appreciate the game more when you know there's been such a small team behind. Yeah. Oh, behind yeah. the development of it, and and it makes you uh, it, it makes you appreciate the work that they put in, and makes you marvel at what they've actually achieved. It was, yep. it was really yep. cool, and it usually Agreed. feels really cohesive, and you know you 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 can tell it's a singular vision, and they set out exactly what they oh. uh, uh, they achieved for ex- what they set out to do. Yep. Yeah, that's how you don't end up with Sonic in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just play it steve you'll eat your words <laughs> i'll regret game my words indeed game of the year <laughs> but yeah my my, re- my review will be going on the website it'll probably be on there by the time this comes out so uh go and check that out the wolfypod.com and uh yeah I, w- I would definitely recommend the game it's it's out now on everything i believe steam xbox playstation mm-hmm. and switch um, I do know it's fifteen ninety nine on the Switch, so I assume it would be the same same kind of price <laughs> elsewhere. Four pounds everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that Nintendo tax, but I might check it on the old Steam Deck actually, because they're the kind of games I want to get on that. So yeah, it might yeah. be my perfect uh, my perfect in to, to try in this game. So yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, it's definitely worth a go. I mean, like it it does a lot of what a rogue like have done in the past. There, you know, there's nothing there that's going to go mind that's going to blow your mind and go, why haven't they done that before now? Yeah. You know, it's no Returnal where they tried something completely different with this kind of genre, but on the other end of the scale, there's still so much in this game, and they have tried to, they still have tried to do some new stuff with the whole mix and match thing and kind of building yeah. your own kind of game that is still worth okay. your time. So, yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely a recommendation from me. So yeah, go and please check that out. And thank you to Team Seventeen. Get on to Doctor Who. I can hear Chris itching, itching back there, just nearly bursting to to let it all out. Um, <laughs> and itching, uh, bursting, letting all out. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I mean, and like we've had positive news about Doctor Who recently, and it's I don't know injection of cash and everything else. But obviously there there's been some uh, obviously negative stuff from the last series i guess hasn't they chris um, basically peter capaldi regenerates into david tennant the end <laughs> i'll see you guys next week wait 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 what what peter it's capaldi actually, was the it's doctor it's not actually all that it's not actually all that incorrect <laughs> no, but where, where <laughs> did what happened to jody whitaker what what huh wait oh, i'm lost what? I, i'm i'm Okay, I can't so I, that, uh, uh, just, 
the last thing I saw was Peter Capaldi regenerating and he turned into David Tennant. Oh, I see what's going on here. I see what's going on. Right, got it. Got it. I understand. You got it now? Is this a situation where you're not a fan of the last series? He's being bitchy. No, I'm not not being bitchy. I didn't say you're wrong. I haven't watched the show in a long time. So for me, I was like, wait, is, did that really happen? Is that yeah. a real thing? Are they, are they just, are they making out like the last series was a dream or something? No, no, no. I was, I was full on dick mode there. Um, the problem with the last Doctor Who series was the writer, wasn't it? Oh, like, God. It's uh, just... He was, he's very much an old school Doctor Who fan and he kind of broke a lot of the things that they've brought in recently through Russell T Davis and and Moffat hasn't didn't he yeah I can see what he wanted to do but you know when you just like take it easy man take it easy like Stephen Moffat didn't change everything straight away he nurtured it and eased people into that change so when series six comes along it's all been drip drip fed to you that this is the change that's Mm. happening Chris Chibnall, oh, just, I, I don't know. I I was sceptical when he took over, and everyone was like, new showrunner, oh, he's got a female doctor, great, this is great. And, and he, comes, I, he comes from with pedigree as well, doesn't he? I mean, he, he created or he was part of Broadchurch, and he's done a couple of other notable TV shows, so it's not like he was an unknown or or, or anything. I mean, no. I really enjoyed Broadchurch. I thought it was a really good TV show, and so... I watched the first series. I would have been very excited for that, but um, I can. I think bullet points are the best ones. Uh, First female doctor plus miscast first female doctor, Chris Shibnall, absolute hack job. Doesn't respect it. I I I have so much. Like I don't know. Uh, Doctor Who before this point was on a kind of downward spiral. I mean, I will say uh, during like RTD and like Moffat's runs, whenever there was like a Jibnall penned episode, it was always one of the weaker ones. So when he got announced as the showrunner, I was a bit like, because eh. yeah. I, I but, never was a big fan of his. I mean, no, was it Fear his, Her? Was that one? Was I'm that not an episode sure, he did? But it was the Olympics one, which was absolute ass. So he did. He did dinosaurs on a spaceship, and oh, I remember Christ. going. Like it's enjoyable. It's yeah, it's not no, it's not going to win any awards. But it was fun and it was silly, and mm. it it worked. But I think it was under the under the guide of someone who respected and kind of knew what he was doing. So, mm. so look, mate, don't don't do that, don't do that. But when you give someone like that full control. That's where it goes off the rails and crashes and burns into a massive fireball off of a cliff. And I, don't get me wrong, Jodie Whittaker, great actress. But when you cast someone just because they're your mate from a previous project, it doesn't work so well. I just think she was miscast or or misrepresented or miswritten. I don't know what the words are. But yeah, basically, I checked out, I think, episode two of series two of Jodie Whittaker's because I just, I didn't care. Oof. Yeah, I I didn't care about her doctor. I didn't care about any of the supporting cast. I didn't care about anything, and I checked out mm. for two years. Yikes! And I didn't I didn't even bother. I was just like, I can't. I don't have the energy. 
and then there was a New Year there's special. A time. <laughs> there's other things you want to watch. It's like, why, yeah. why bother? Yeah, yeah, and they did their New Year's Day special where the Dalek kind of got onto her back and controlled her. <laughs> So again, sure. again, it's, it's, I forget. Didn't watch it. They're so forgettable, and I just, I just didn't care. And then, as the the regeneration episode was coming, as we all knew it would have done, or was going to, I thought I would catch up. So for the, the week before it aired, because I wanted to watch it live, because I didn't want to go on Twitter and find out that Joe regenerating into Chuty, Chuty Gatwa or David Tennant or whatever the fuck they were doing. Um, <laughs> so I didn't want to go on to like Twitter or whatever and go, oh, I missed that. Never mind. Because that's what I would have done. I would have gone. So I watched it live and I watched all of Flux and the episodes that I wasn't <laughs> missing. And I can't remember anything. It was that forgettable and boring that I can't tell you what happened other than the Doctor does some scrunchy faces, has a bit of an awkward thing with people, and then so forgettable. And like, and then the regeneration episode comes on, is it Power of the Doctor or whatever? Yeah, where yeah, yeah. If Chris Shibnall, <laughs> if Chris Shibnall produced what he produced in that one hour and a half regeneration episode for the past three years, I'd... <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Right, hear me out. We talked about fan wank earlier. I'm all for that. I think it's great <laughs> when it's handled cleverly. And when he brought back all the previous doctors, he did it respectfully. They weren't just brought back for the sake of being brought back. There was some sort of limbo in the doctor's mind or something. Hmm. So they appeared They appeared to her when she was in this limbo stage in Regenerations. And they painted it so well. Paul McGowan was back. Sylvester McCoy had this beautiful scene with Ace. Oh, that was lovely, that. Right? That was lovely, Where, yeah. And Chris Shibnall explained it, that the hologram the Doctor was was sending out was appearing to all of his all of their old companions as their previous self. Brilliant idea. It was handled so well. And then, uh, uh, and then the rest of the episode happened, and I just... I started wishing that we had Sasha Dewan as the Doctor instead of Jodie Whittaker. Mm. I will I, give I will give Chibnall that 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 first season he did the whole introduction of the master was up there with some of the best Doctor yeah, Who it was, the whole it scene was good. on the plane it was, was like damn yeah. this is good like yeah. oh, the and masterful. everything and it's yeah. just I, I don't know it just it just it forgot what it needed to be and it forgot what it was and I just don't know I have no answers. I have no answers. I've just I watched that regeneration episode, just waiting to find out what happened at the end. Just like, come on, get it done. And the way he wrote the Doctor and the Master and that whole story, why wasn't he doing this two years ago? And he did his best episode, which was the regeneration episode. And spoilers. Can, also, can I just say that the best scene in Chris Shibnall's era is the Master as Rasputin playing Boney M's Rasputin. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, that uh, just that lives rent free in my head. It's just what the Dalek and the Sideman looking at each yeah, other. Like, that was fantastic. That was like, <laughs> was that, like that was equally brilliant and equally like and awful. What the fuck? <laughs> like I get it. If it was the Sarah Jane Adventures, that that little glance to each other would work. <laughs> yeah, but it was just using Boney M's Rasputin song 
was great, but Sasha Dewan's menacing, almost so aggressive performance as the master just makes me want him back as the master. And he, mm. I think he was the best part of the whole thing because I don't know. But spoilers, she regenerates and turns into David Tennant. <laughs> so what's that all David, about? Yeah, well, not only she turns into David Tennant, the clothes regenerate as well. No one knows what's going on. No one. <sighs> they won't find out for a while. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically a shot of nostalgia adrenaline right into the right into the people's hearts. It's like boom, like pulp fiction. Literally, style. it's a clean Need- slate. Yeah. Rusty Davies yeah. is picking up where he left off, basically. Yeah, like, it's it's yeah. needle in the heart, just like pulp fiction. Boom, Uma Thurman comes sitting up and screams. That's what <laughs> is happening. That's what's happening to Doctor Who at the moment. Is a much needed pump of nostalgia, adrenaline into the right into the veins of people. It's like sci-fi heroin so boom there we go well it worked because i dropped off doctor who during peter capaldi days to be honest i didn't particularly get on well with his version of the doctor when they uh announced jody to who was going to be the next doctor i was i was intrigued again because i thought oh this is cool a woman doctor who that's great and she looks fun and i'll give it i'll give it a go i went back i watched a couple of episodes dropped off never watched any more until until the last one that that Chris has just been talking about and I thought you know I've heard Russell T Davis is back and he's right in again for Doctor Who and I thought that's great because obviously that was obviously the period of Doctor Who that I enjoyed the most so let's give it a crack and I really enjoyed it I thought it was a lot of fun that they like you say there's just so much going on in an episode that was just fun and it just seemed it just seemed to be back to old new Doctor Who yeah um, but it's just a, a bit and, a little too late and it's just well hopefully they can pull it back yeah. and but I this think is why with, I've got I was going to say and I think with the injection that they've just got through Disney is going that, to help yeah, with that yeah shocked that, me that shocked I did, me I did not see that coming <laughs> but when you look when you look at the <laughs> paper trail and it's like Russell T. Davis, like Rich said, is starting where he left off. He's like, everyone loves David Tennant. David Tennant loves playing the Doctor. Russell T. Davis is back. David Tennant, will you come back? Yes, yes, I will. Boom. He will probably not even explain why his the clothes regenerated. But all the fan speculations are, oh, it's being manipulated. It's a forced regeneration. He's gone back into his previous self. But Russell T. Davis has stated that this isn't the tenth Doctor. This is a new Doctor with an old face, but fundamentally a brand new incarnation. But whether we believe that or not, I don't know. Because <laughs> it doesn't really explain Bernard Cribbins, may he rest in peace, and mm. Catherine Tate coming back. And if if he wasn't playing the Tenth Doctor again, why would Donna and Wilf be back? Nothing, nothing yeah. makes sense at the moment. It's And obviously, you know, the filming that they're doing in Bristol City and London and Cardiff, and no one knows. And I don't think Russell T. Davis will even explain it. It's just got a throwaway scene of him going, he recognises his teeth, looks down, why have my clothes regenerated, and moving on. And then we've got, I think, got three hour-long specials before, yes. Shooty, t- before Shooty takes over, which yep. can everyone just say, for. that guy is electric. Absolutely <laughs> electric. Even that one scene he had in that, Teaser, when he's oh. just exclaiming like, "Tell, what someone the, tell yeah. me what's going what on." What the hell here? is going and on like, here? Ooh, ooh! I'm, like, <laughs> just, but, I'm intrigued. And, 
Yeah, but it also threw all the fan speculation out the window because everyone's like, oh, where does Shooty fall in? Is David Tennant a stopgap? Is is yeah. he a real number? Or is he a limbo doctor that's come back through somehow? Yeah. But then you look at it and you're like, well, how, did, how then do you explain why Shooty is wearing David Tennant's new outfit in that scene? Because David yeah. Tennant is the next progression, then into Shooty. But my worry is that David Tennant returning, it is that With adrenaline pump. That adrenaline pump is needed. And Jodie Whittaker, as great as she is, I think she was just miscast. She didn't handle that that ADHD kind of quality that all the doctors <laughs> have had. It felt so forced when she delivered those lines and those, you know? Yeah. And it's such a shame because she could have been so much more if she was given the material. But with Disney, Bad Wolf Productions is an independent production studio. So Doctor Who is no officially no longer produced by the BBC. It's produced on behalf of the BBC by Bad Wolf Productions, which 50% of the budget is coming from uh, international distribution rights for Disney. What the hell, guys? So Come on. Wild, man. What? Like, the budget. 10 million 10 per million episode. An episode. <laughs> 10 million <laughs> per Whoa. episode. Right. Doctor Who at the moment barely so gets that for a season. And yeah. we got we got the you know mouse house money coming our way into our little quaint BBC and it's like what the hell? How? And it explains a lot how they've managed to get Neil Patrick Harris in. That's <laughs> wild! I cannot believe he's going to be Doctor Who. That's so wild. It's insane. Ten million per episode. Maybe uh, maybe Doctor Who tonally going forward is going to be like Andor. Oh man, I've been worried. That's the thing. <laughs> like yeah, playing it completely with, straight. With the Disney injection of cash and this, like again this. Through the aorta injection of nostalgia that everyone's getting now with David Tennant back, are we going to see them flying out to the Disney Studios filming on the OLED volume and doing these amazing location shots? Could you just imagine (laughs) what the TARDIS set could look like with the OLED volume behind the physical set as well? Maybe I'm being too quick to judge, but even from looking at that teaser we got for the next few episodes, I could see the bump in the production. Like that one bit of the car, the explosion, that car flipping on top of the other parked car. It's like, okay, this is like big. This is big. And it's not just because, oh, it's a few specials. Even the specials that we had previously, like those like, you remember when they had that little phase where they were doing like blockbuster movie every week bullshit they did with David Tennant's no, run, they, which uh, I hated. What did they do? It was David um, Tennant was doing Shakespeare, wasn't he? So he couldn't do a full series. So I think they did, was it three specials, yeah. but feature-length movie movie of the week, basically? Yeah, even they didn't match what we saw no. in just that preview. No. I was like, it, damn, okay, this feels much bigger. And even looks, even like the actual grade, the look of, the actual look of like, you know, on-screen colour palette, it just looked different. Like, it looked yeah. more muted and a bit, and just, I don't know, it looked they, cool. Yeah, looked using cool. 4K right. cameras and stuff like that, and it's absolutely insane what we're going to be getting. yeah. yeah. Do you worry that Doctor Who will lose its Doctor Who-ness by having all this money injected no, into it? I... Like, do you do you do you not worry that it will become too American, like it might turn into Paul McGann's Doctor Who TV movie? No, or um, I've. Which uh, was good. It's... Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, don't get me wrong, but it was so. It's, it had that it Americanness had that American about it. It had that American yeah, it filmingness about it. It didn't have that British I, yeah, British I don't, BBC-ness I don't of, think of Doctor Who. Davis will let that happen. Um, yeah. It will it will have an influx of cash and Disney funding and opportunities that 
it would benefit from. But I don't think it will have that American sheen to it. I, well, I hope it won't anyway. Yeah, because that, that's the only thing I think I'm kind of worried about with it in that sense that the, the Americans will get their hands on it too much and just turn it, but into, it's not American into that. Production. And, and it, and it it's still, no, it's still yeah. an English production. But I mean, Disney, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Disney are pumping yeah. money into it, so Disney are going <laughs> to yeah. have, a, have a say on, on, Sky, on certain on aspects of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And you, me, I guess that's just Ryan Cranston master. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope it doesn't. I hope that Russell T Davis kind of puts his foot down and go, "No, this needs to be British." You know, this it can't lose but this Britishness that Doctor Who has. No, Otherwise, it's not Doctor Who. In interviews, he said that the distribution rights for the show through Disney has enabled the budget increase to like three hundred percent because Disney are <laughs> Disney are aware of their audience so they know what their audience expects they don't expect a paltry budgeted english production on their platform so by disney taking that mm-hmm. that distribution right and pumping it full of cash is to just make it look better for their platform especially with 4k streaming and the quality of stuff mm. they're putting out and if they were to put dr hill on there i, I don't know I'm in. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see how they're going to distribute it on Disney Plus, though, because at the moment, isn't it like simulcast on BBC America? So when that changes, how is it going to be? Is it going to appear on Disney see, Plus? That's what I was. As the episode goes live on BBC yeah, in the UK, that's what I, thought, it gonna, I thought because Dis- BBC weird. America is still a thing, so maybe it's broadcast mm. in America once and maybe one repeat, and then streaming distribution. Is on Disney Plus exclusively. I'm not entirely sure. I've heard it's only going to be on Disney Plus because even like obviously because it's the yeah. whole world yeah. outside of us. Even like in Canada, it's not going to be on um. I forget where it went on to Canada. Now it was on um. Oh, was it Space or something? Yeah, Space I think Channel. Space. Um, I, I hate Canada. Uh, on, no, <laughs> just... no, 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 no. Did you hear that one? Wow. Our Canadian listeners. Hey, fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. The amount of YouTubers that I I watch and they are in Canada and they say on Space Channel, I think it's Space Channel or Star Channel or whatever, they get all of the new Star Treks, like all of it, all of the new shows that we have to pump into like extra streaming things, they get it broadcast for free on network television in Canada. And do <laughs> and you know what? Nice. I would rather they stream it on Disney Plus in this country because BBC iPlayer is buggy as shit. Yeah. It's a VPN, mate. Always, VPN, always, always has been and always will be. <laughs> it's an exciting time to be a Doctor Who fan. And, and the, the, I think the whole point is to try and get people like me yeah. back interested in it and, and come back to the show. And I think that's actually working. There's so many like new and exciting twists that are happening right now. And like there's been a couple more as well. Recent, uh, well, at the time when they released the new Doctor Who logo, oh, that's, that's uh, obviously beautiful. big, like, oh. nostalgic. Again, they're, they're pumping that nostalgia, nostalgia to, to the old school. Nostalgia injection still. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then obviously the reveal on uh, the the other Friday in Children in Need, where where they announced the new companion, uh, Millie Gibson. You know, and through the whole Thirteenth Doctor era, I felt nothing between her and her companions, absolutely nothing. And yet, from a from a two minute from a two minute thing, <laughs> where they're not even in character, not even yeah. in character or costume, yeah. I was like, I felt more from that two and a half minute introduction than I did from three and a half years. Yeah. Lovely energy. Straight off the Straight bat, off the it's, bat. it's like energy, so. it's like Eccleston and Piper and Tennant and Piper, and this is this is the thing. Like 
already oh, within <laughs> within hours of the news breaking that David Tennant would come back because they had to announce it before people saw him filming. Already, it felt like 2008 again, where Doctor Who was at its biggest. And I love Matt Smith. Don't get me wrong; I would love him to appear in the 60th. But he's got bigger things on now. He's in Game of Thrones and doing movies now. So fair play to him. But I'm hoping this is Doctor Who coming back. But I am worried extremely that people will tune in just to see David Tennant for four hours and then then completely check out when Shooty comes in. That's my biggest fear. I think that maybe that's just the hope that those you know David Tennant. Uh, fans do come back for that but then they might stick around for an extra episode and, and see uh, it and then go oh okay this is pretty good and and stick around yeah Fingers i mean I, I think i think the re- you know, the regeneration going from tenant into gatwa is only going to benefit him shooting gatwa that is i think the problem is and i'm not saying it to throw shade on her but yeah if it was simply Whitaker into gatwa with her whole run and you know Chibnall's run being a damp squib, that would just set Chuty Gatwa up really, really poorly, and it would just be unfair. Mm, so I yeah. think you go in with the biggest, the biggest bombast. Boom, Gatwa has got more engaged audience. Is regenerating from a much better personality with a better writer, and yeah, it's what he deserves. Like, so I'm, I'm I, I'm hopeful, and I, I do, I am confident this is going to keep yeah. the audience around. What's What's quite interesting um, is it didn't even occur yeah, to me until I saw it on Twitter where someone said it's got echoes of Diamonds Are Forever about this whole new thing where George Lazenby George Lazenby okay. you know, it was Intrigued. a James Bond um, <laughs> uh, person I follow on Twitter and I he was tweeting about Doctor Who and I was like I've never seen it George Lazenby does one it's poorly received no one really likes him and he doesn't come back so they asked for Sean Connery to come back Sean Connery comes back you get your audience back you introduce a new character it's I didn't even think of that, and it's exactly the same concept okay. as what they're doing now with Doctor Who. To get was the the, the Roger Moore <laughs> well, of the Doctor Who world. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, I I I haven't watched Doc, Doctor Who in a really long time, and all of that was news to me. And that's all <laughs> fucking wild. That's crazy. Disney, it is. the Disney thing still just the, the, my the brain Disney thing in particular that is very surprising to me. I'm interested enough to check it out. I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go find out what's what. a lot for this one thank you to you the listener for joining us and if you have loved what you've heard and would like to support us then you can do so through our coffee page or if that's not right for you right now then you can also support us by sharing sharing our socials or giving us a review or rating on apple or spotify you can find the links for those and much much more at thewolfiepod.com my name has been jason and we'll see you on the next what's wrong with wolfie bye-bye